One, two, ten. Welcome to the Claim the Throne podcast. Coming on you with infos on writing, recording, and marketing a metal album in 2013. Hey. Who is it? It is Climbing the Throne. I'm Kaba. And I'm Ash. And we are back for episode 10 of the Blodgecast. And that's uh, where we don't use any motivational quotes at all because they are for dummies. How are you doing this week, Ashley? Quite good. It's been a busy week. How about yourself, Kaba? Really? Also quite busy. Actually busy enough for me not to even write a blodge this week. So I don't really have much of a sedge to talk about. Who knows what's going to happen over this next 30, 40 minutes. Probably a lot of... Um, Fighting out pure air on the couch, I'd say. Good to be back in Muller's for this um, podge yeah, today. it's the uh, return to Muller's after the North Beach experiment. Yeah, man, return of the Mac. Climb the Thorn, News and Gidge. Welcome to News and Gidges. Today I picked up a bunch of posters and flyers for some shows we have coming up soon, and that um got me moderately excited, killing a lot of trees in the process of getting an absolute shitload of posters and flyers. So in your respective cities over the next six weeks or so, I would expect for you um, to be hounded with these things um, at any local shows you might be going to. Or pretty much any cafe you walk into, I'd like to think there'll be a poster plastered on the wall. And that is for our tour in January around Australia um, with Baylorcore. So keep an eye out for these dead trees and that will have all the gidge details on them. Our next show is uh, pretty soon, next week, Christmas show in Perth with Silent Night, Red Descending and Cypher in Rot 666. Pretty funny looking at these posters and there's venues like the Brisbane Hotel in Hobart. Yeah, I like that. And then the um, the ben- Bendigo Hotel in Melbourne. What other news do we have? Anything? I did an interview today for um, Blunt Magazine, so keep an eye out on their website in the coming days or weeks or whenever that's going to be. Um, had a, a nice chat over the phone with a lovely fellow. And um, yeah, so there'll be a feature up on that magazine um, with lots of talk about um, the new album, Fortune in Flame, and my take on it. And um, yeah, some shows and things about the band too. Um, cool. Lots of... Um, top 10 albums of the 2013 coming out at the moment don't forget your old pals that claim the throne when you're doing your list like to think we've done an okay job of ours if i could vote for it i probably wouldn't i actually haven't listened to a whole lot of new albums this year actually i don't know what would be in my top list normally i get excited by these lists but this year bit behind i haven't listened to anything more in my life than this album really well not entirely true but i'm sure um nirvana's nevermind has gotten a <laughs> bit more airplay with me but yeah man we listen to that all those songs some serious amounts of times this year yeah totally that's probably why i haven't really listened to that much other stuff but i can think of a few particular albums which i would say would probably be my favorite of the year and that would be should we do an impromptu top five albums sure man i don't even know if i could think of five what about three three oh thank god you said that because i don't know anymore all right what's okay. yours you go first all right three uh carcass surgical steel yep um, i'm glad you went first now two soil work living infinite mm-hmm. double album pretty good return to form number one calma seventh swampfany for me i think they're all this year yeah Good three CDs that I like to listen to. Come on, Largie. All right. This is actually hard. Why did I think of this idea? If it's bad, you can edit it out. So don't worry. I'd have to say that number three for me would probably be Carcass, Surgical Steel as well. Sorry to copy. Uh, number two would actually be Soy Work, The Living Infinite. Are you going to do exactly no, 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 the same list? <laughs> <laughs> no, number two for me would be Tia, uh, Oh, how did I forget that? Is that how you say it? Yeah, that would probably be my number one, actually. And you know what number one is? <laughs> 
I'm not going to tell you because I'm oh. I'm going to do my album of the week on it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, the suspense. I am blown away <laughs> that this is my album of the year. I never thought one week ago that I would say that. Wow. Cool, man. I'm really excited for it. All right. So, whilst on the topic of all these shitty lists, how about it might be time for crabs? The Australian coast is about to be invaded. It's time for crabs, naked and vulnerable, on a mission. Welcome to the Crab Sedge. I'm Crab. This is my Sedge. I actually don't have any ideas today on what to talk about, um, so I, I don't really want to be giving advice when I'm in this sort of mood. So I thought, um, being the Christmas time, we'll um, strip it back and go from educational to entertainment and just talk purely about uh, some Claim the Throne history topics. And I was going to um, run through my top 10 funny Claim the Throne gidges. 10, that's a lot. Can we awesome. do that? Yeah, I can't wait for it. So, does it matter that we're not um, talking about how to be in a band? No. Are we allowed to talk about our own band? Is that a bit... Um, am I up myself if I do that? No. I'll tell you why. One, oh. it's called the Claim the Throne Blodgecast, oh, okay, so yeah. everyone can get so out. So, if they're listening, chances are they may be vaguely interested in, in our band. Yeah, and if they're not too bad, so sad, as cool. Miss Batista from Year 6 used to say. <laughs> But what I'm thinking about it is every week we always say all this boring shit that you have to do as a band and yeah. now this is the payoff, right? All right. Well, I'm going to talk about Fun 10 stuff. really funny things and these are not particularly our best gigs. Chances are we've played the worst at these shows, but this is just memorable ones that I'm just, just thinking of. So number 10, starting in the Christmas spirit, our Christmas show slash shows from a couple of years ago. I think it might have been... HQ? Yes. It was actually a double gig that day, double Christmas spirit. We played HQ in the day and Amplifier at night, I think, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I, well, I wasn't in the band then. It must have been before Triumph and Beyond even came it out, was, actually. It was before Ale Tales came out. Really? Yeah. Well, that is possible. So, is, this is, is this where this Ollie... Is, yeah, man. That's yeah. The reason I like this gig is because Ollie dressed as a Christmas tree. Not even an, an outfit. We'd actually got all these branches and leaves off some trees around the area and sticky taped them all over his body. It was amazing. Probably the best thing I've ever seen. I was there. We were playing with you that night. I don't really actually. This is so long ago. Regardless. What you regardless. Did you laugh? Says. Oh, yeah. I laughed heaps. And, <laughs> and you did covers of um, home, yeah, Alone home Alone on, covers, I think. And, um, on acoustic. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. No, that but was then, a great so show. I, I'm actually not sure if I'm mistaken here or not, but I think we played an, an over-18s at night as well, and then we wore more Christmas clothes, and I um, wore a carrot on my nose to dress as a snowman <laughs> and cut holes in either side of the carrot so it had like an elastic band to wear around my head. Was that the same year? Probably. If you didn't play uh, that, then no, chances are it was the same year. Same year. And um, yeah, so I just had like... Yeah, white spray paint all over my body to be a snowman with a carrot nose. <laughs> Hell good. I thought Dicey might have been in the band. Maybe he was filling in on bass. Everything about it was just really funny. Anyway, man, that's a lot of talking for number 10. I've got nine more gigs to get through. I'll just go quick then. Number nine, Against the Grain Festival in Adelaide, the year that Alchemist played. That I wasn't in the band again. Really? But all these are probably tech. before your time. Yeah, you were there as a funnel tech, which was great. So lots of onstage funnels for us that night. Um, but the the bit which was particular funny was um, particular funny. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this on air, but like how we were talking about um, the bass player from Alchemist looking like a seal, <laughs> and then we took beach balls with us and we're throwing it at him while they were playing. <laughs> I don't know if this is allowed to go on air, but anyway, no no offense to um John from the Alchemist. We just were young and immature, a bit like now, really, and um, I thought it was funny. I'm actually a massive Alchemist fan. But anyway, that was a very funny gidge. Uh, actually, all our shows in Adelaide are always hilarious, I reckon. We just get particularly drunk particularly for some drunk. reason. 
What am I up to? Number eight. Number eight. Uh, I was going to go with a show in Glasgow where we had like so many beers lined up along the drum riser. Was that Glasgow? I think Jim oh, oh, Jim obviously organised it. Where um, we had that huge drum riser. There was a massive really drum riser on. and it just got, before we played, filled it with so many cups of beer. Yep. And they were all gone by the, um, I think by the end of it. I think that was Glasgow. Anyway, I did that was just pretty fun, cool. I guess. Yeah. There was a few funnels on that night as well. We met Rory Flavell, who's like the Amos Polglaze of Scotland. Yeah, yeah. So that was funny. Um, number seven, where am I up to here? Hmm, I was going to go with um, our show for the Western Australian Metal Awards a good few years ago. At the Metros? At Metropolis in Perth, which is like this massive venue, unheard of for metal bands to play there, really. Yeah, so before we played, we were a bit excited about the size of the um, the band room downstairs and the free drinks and stuff, Good Rider, and we just got so obliterated, most of the band members, and just played so, so badly. And um, what was particularly funny was Jim's performance that night, which involved pissing on, on stage <laughs> onto the back curtain behind the drummer and then vomiting on stage as well, I believe. Yeah, didn't he vomit into a jug or a pint glass? Yeah, something like oh, that. Well, I also wasn't in the band for this one too, but watching it, I remembered yeah, seeing Jim just sort of walk off, yeah, vomit in a cup. Oh, man. Pretty funny. <laughs> All right. And Jim doesn't often spew. No, very rarely. So, he must have been, yeah, real maggot. And yeah, that, that was like an important gig when there was a big turnout, good venue, all sorts of different people that would never have seen us before, the potential to make <laughs> so many new fans. And we were just so drunk and just fucking up every bit of music that we were playing. And then after the show on the street, I walked up to Jim and he had a, a cask of red Lambrusco <laughs> in his hand, cooler bar. And he was just sort of like, finish him, just standing oh. there, just sort of wiggling around. And I, I tried to talk to him. Mm. I really did. But he didn't know anyone was there. And then he got ushered into a car and left. Oh. He, he was, I would say, top three times I've ever seen him drunk. Yeah. And I've seen him drunk a lot. Most of these top tens all involve Jim getting really maggot. And that's probably why they're so memorable. So, thanks, Jim, if you're listening. Keep it up, bright buddy. Um, number six. Number six. Uh, I was going to go with our Brisbane show with Ailstorm at uh, Rosie's. And that was um, from getting funnels on stage from Ailstorm. And then Jim received the infamous rum funnel where he thought he was about to skull a funnel of beer. And as as it went down, his face just turned from glee to like to horror because they had put straight rum in this funnel. And, he and a lot of it. Jacob. A lot of rum and... Just the look on his face was like, I'm not going to be able to get through this set. I'm going to be real maggot in the next couple of minutes. He and spun he around and looked at me and it looked like his eyes were going to pop out of his skull. Yeah. And I thought, like, what is this guy doing? And then I saw everyone laughing and pointing. It was real rum. Oh. Like, do not do that to me, please. Yeah, all the Storm guys haven't thought it was the funniest thing they've ever seen, which it was. That was a, a pretty fun gig anyway, um, despite that. Yeah, another very drunken night, and afterwards, I think we were all hanging in the venue singing Steel Panther songs extremely loudly. Number five, I think I've missed a number, but whatever. Number five, hmm, this actually isn't even that good, but an uh, old venue in Perth called The Castle, which doesn't exist anymore, but that was like Hobo Central, anything goes there. And again, it was just some stupid dress-up theme that we decided to dress up for no apparent reason and just thought it was funny. Ollie was dressing as a scuba diver on stage, had a snorkel and goggles and flippers, the whole set. Jim dressing as an indigenous Australian, so he painted all his skin brown, wore a flannelette, singlet, um, cigarettes in his top pocket, one thong, goon bag, etc. 
very funny. I was Barney Rubble. Um, my sister was back in the band at that stage as well, and she dressed as a Taekwondo fighter. And Brenton was there back then as well. Can't remember what he wore, but something very funny. Anyway, what am I up to here? Oh, number four, the Ale Tales CD launch. But we had a a cake for um for the launch on stage Ale Tales cake that my mum made. So it had the Ale Tales logo on it. And yeah, we blew out the candles and cut the cake mid set. Then played a, a song that just went off, and people got on stage and everything. And yeah, the cake ended up embedded into the venue's new carpet all over the stage. There was chicken wings and stuff going everywhere. We used to have um, axes and swords back at that time as well. They got flogged by who knows who that was. And the um, the venue's bathrooms got completely smashed up by our weapons from someone. <laughs> it wasn't us, though. They got stolen. We don't know what happened. But, um, yeah, <laughs> there was blood. <laughs> blood everywhere in the bathroom and just an absolute disgrace of an evening by the Perth metal community but very memorable and very very funny I went there the next morning yeah. to pick up a guitar <laughs> and walked in and someone goes oh, I shouldn't incriminate myself go on they yelled out something about the state of the venue and it was something I'd directly done oh, and no. I thought they knew it was me like really? oh how did they know and then they go yeah kids eh bloody hell oh. Like, oh oh yeah yeah of course kids then that venue oh, shut shit. down like a month later yeah it's to refurbish number three this was a show at a Perth venue called the Civic Hotel not that long ago maybe only less than two years I'd say um I can't remember what the event was but Anyway, another big drunken night. Uh, we were pretty drunk on stage, playing badly as usual. But a lot of people and everyone in the crowd having a real good time. And um, there was so much banter between between us playing and, and between the crowd that somehow it seemed like a good idea to ask all of the crowd to bring all of the stools throughout the venue onto the stage. Obviously, Jim again, probably with that, that great idea. But so, yeah, all of the crowd members proceeded to get all of these chairs and stools from the entire venue, and the whole stage was just filled with stools. So there was nowhere to move or anything, and people just sitting on these chairs on the stage. I don't know how that made it to number three, but it, yeah, it probably had to be there, I guess. I yeah, thought it was I the funniest thing ever. Were you there? You were playing. Yeah, of course. Number two. Going back uh, to the UK on our tour with Ailstorm, the second show was in a small little town called Stoke-on-Trent. You were there for that one, Ash. Indeed. And um, yeah, this wasn't so much the show that was funny, but it was just the whole setup and vibe of this place. It was like a tiny little family-run um, venue in the middle of nowhere, basically, and I just don't think they really knew what they were getting into in the scale of this tour, so they weren't expecting so many people, um, so much drinking and just the, the type of people that would be there. Yeah, so much drinking, free drinks all day for every band and crew member yeah there was like 10 bands there i don't know if all the bands got that deal or not but i don't know but definitely ourselves and ailstorm did and that was just a call it total domination of the bar <laughs> that day <laughs> yeah so and and it was yeah an all-day festival so getting there at like midday or something just yeah got fed pretty amazing food but then yeah open bar all day until yeah like the bar the people running the bar were like the 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 managers of the place all like family and and the owners running the bar and um and they were all drinking as well and trying to challenge us to drinking contests and things and next minute they were so hammered having domestics amongst one another there was this woman working there who was like the most abominable snowman beast of a woman you'd ever see like the biggest saggiest boobs and she was just getting them out and flashing them everywhere 
much to Dicey's excitement. He he was right up on them. Nah, not really. But um, yeah, after that all happened, all the, the bar workers had pretty much passed out not long after the gig had finished. And then we were still there all night, helping ourselves to the bar, like getting bottles of stuff, passing around Jaeger. Pouring ourselves drinks. <laughs> oh, man. Learning how to pour Guinness. And me <laughs> saying to Jim, like, check this out, man. Watch, no one's looking. I'm going to pour myself a drink. And then I got caught pouring a Guinness. And then the guy comes up and goes, that's not how you do it, mate. <laughs> and then starts showing me how to do it we pull like 10 guinnesses and i was the only one that drank guinness (laughs) (laughs) jim's like i don't drink this shit oh so good there was one of the the bar guys i I don't know i looked at him he was behind the bar and he sort of put his finger up and like called me towards him as if to say shh don't tell anyone come over here i'm gonna have got a drink for you so i walked there he gave me a drink and then he pulled me behind the bar and took me into this back room and this abominable snowman woman was there and he goes, I got a present for you. And she just lifted up her shirt and it was the worst gross. thing I've ever seen. Oh, gross, man. <laughs> oh, was that the guy with the mullet and the short fringe with the mustache? His, yeah, her yeah. husband. Yeah, exactly. Gross. Yeah, it's my wife. Check her out. Oh, stuck up with Lazaka. That is disgusting. Anyway, number one. And uh, Sedge is just about over. This was um, our very first CD launch for the album Only the Brag Return. Extremely memorable show uh, because we really went all out on the theatric side of things. Um, for that one, it was a massive turnout, sold out 450 payers, I think, and we sold tons of stuff, which was wicked. And it was a dress-up theme really supposed to be like medieval dress up but everyone just came dressed in all sorts of random things like someone dressing as a playstation people from tim and eric show um our cameraman was dressed as a muslim and he was walking all over stage as well um so yeah just everyone in the crowd was really got involved um and so yeah it was just awesome vibe we had um on stage like haystacks food feasts um so there's people getting up on on the stage which i think was dicey was one of them um, sitting up there eating like a meal of, of roast and carrots. And um, yeah, we just got some amazing photos from that as well with him like holding out a carrot to the crowd. People like holding muffins in the air, like chanting songs. Um, yeah, just all sorts of funny stuff. And then, yeah, of course, we got pretty trashed at that show as well. So just a very memorable one for me. That is Cabba. That's the history of Drunken Claim the Throne. And nice that's work. my rhyme and that's what I said. Booking a show with the same old bands? Not sure how to differentiate your show from the others and get people to keep coming? Wanna try something crazy? Make your show different. Book it on a boat. Book a quiz night. Offer free gifts for the first 50 people that come through the door. Make it a dress-up theme. Get in the drift? Make your show stand out. Do something different than the crowd. Get people to come. I'm Cabba. Listen to me. If you don't like it, get out of town. Escorts. Joshy. And I gotta say, the drummer was friggin' awesome. Just like, spot on. Hello and welcome. Today we have a special guest for Ash's Sedge. It is the one, the only, Ash! Woo, 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 woo. Well, rousing reception there. Thanks. Welcome to the whole Ash. How are you today? Pretty good, as we've discussed before. Give us some that tips, bro. I'll give you some real good tips, mate, for some real nice ones. So, in the interest of saving a bit of money, I'm going to continue on from my last week's segment on Ds and Ramps, otherwise known as DIs and Reamps, and talk about microphones. Just in the linear fashion that I've been going through this thing, at the start we talked about uh, just getting a good, reliable setup going with a computer and your hard drives and stuff like that. Then we talked about possibly DIing to offset a bit of the cost of studio time. 
I've written a blog and I put it online and it sort of details the whole gamut of uh, all you need to know about microphones um, at, in, from an elementary standpoint, but it's a touch more functional than it is technical. A lot of these microphone things I read are all going on about, well, the dynamic microphone is made from a small piece of string and a duck puts <laughs> his head inside and blinks an eye and then fucking sound goes through and it's just too much. Good voice. Really, you need to know what a microphone does what style it is and what it should be used on, and that's about it. The main thing you'd want to be tracking are vocals. Vocals are probably the most important thing on an album, and being able to track at home when you feel comfortable and feel ready is a huge advantage. Sometimes when you go into a studio and you're just asked to perform on the spot, it's uh, quite challenging, but with your voice, it's one thing that, you know, if you're having a bad day or something, then yeah, it can cost you a lot in just sitting around yelling aimlessly. So, what I suggest is to buy a cheap vocal microphone that you can also use on other things. That way, it saves money and can be the basis of your whole microphone setup for the future. Now, in my blog, I go through the patterns of pickup patterns of microphones just to explain in a little bit of detail what they actually do. Uh, the short side of that is there are three types, cardioid, omnidirectional, and figure eight. I use the analogy of lights. A cardioid is quite a tight pattern, and so that would be kind of like a spotlight. So it focuses heavily on exactly where it's pointing to, and you do get a little bit of light shining on things surrounding your focus image, but you'd mostly get the source, but you'd get a little bit of spill or bleed from um, the sources surrounding it. Um, this gives you the most isolation of the pickup patterns. Tomato sauce. Then omnidirectional is, as it suggests, that's from an omni perspective. So if you picture more like just a torch or a general light globe where wherever it's pointing, it's just, it is straightforward and everywhere outwards from that. So it rejects everything behind. You know, visually you wouldn't have any light coming from behind a light and the same with the microphone, no sound coming from behind. Then the final one is figure eight, which is kind of like, it could be omnidirectional or cardioid, so tight or quite wide, but it actually goes in both directions. It'll get everything in front of it, everything behind it, and then reject the sound from the sides. So, hope that wasn't too intense. Was it, Cabba? No, man, I enjoyed it. Have you ever done any sort of courses? How do you learn this stuff? Out of your own uh, motivation to research? I read their blog. Yeah, right. Yeah, just on the net and also experience using mm. the stuff, I guess. Um, okay, now there are three main types of microphones. Uh, there are obviously more than this in reality but for the purposes of introduction, um, they are dynamic condenser and ribbon mics. Dynamic mics are the ones you'll see most often at gigs or on TV, on the news, people are using them. They're very good because they're usually cardioid patterns, which means that, you know, you point them at the mouth of the newsreader and you don't get all of his chattering uh, cyclopses to his left and right. Also asking the same questions to the politicians or when you're on stage, um, you're not getting feedback and stuff um, because it's picking up everyone else's stuff. It's just, um, yeah, you're getting right up on that microphone. So these are really great and you'll see them at gigs because they're often on drum guitar cabinets, bass cabinets, and are used for vocals live. Um, yeah, for the same thing that, yeah, it'll basically just pick up whatever you point at it. They don't need any power and um, it will just plug directly into your interface or any sort of preamp on a mixing desk or anything like that. Uh, condenser mics are used more in the studio than they are in the live situation. Um, you typically see them as overheads or maybe on hi-hats at a gig, but not 
much else. They need power, which means that they will have a power supply or you will use the 48V Phantom Power button on your interface or on your mixing desk. Um, they can be any pattern and often they have selector switches on them so you can change it from cardioid to uh, omni or some of them more expensive ones have like a multi-directional thing where you can actually put it into a figure eight. Um, these mics are a little bit more hi-fi sounding. Uh, we used a condenser mic on the vocals for Claim the Throne Forged in Flame and also on the acoustic guitar and as you can hear on that it's very bright it gets a lot of detail in um, the problem you have with that is that we had to do a lot of deadening our room wasn't the best sounding room and we got a lot of outside noise from dogs feet walking around tip tapping on the floorboards and also even from a car door slamming next door it'll it'll pick it up and even though you might not notice it in mix down if you do want to isolate those sort of th yourself from those sort of things it can be a bit tricky uh the next and final one is ribbon mics and they are almost always a figure eight pattern uh, which means they're two-sided they have an actual ribbon inside them um which is the mechanism uh that vibrates when sound hits it but they're very sensitive um because of this you can't really handle anything that generates wind, which is, I mean, sound travels through air. So any high pressure sound source, if you put it close to it, it'll possibly damage the ribbon. Um, so for that reason, they are used on vocals, but not close up. And also acoustic guitars uh, overheads, because that's a bit of a distance away from the drums as opposed to being right on a tom or a snare or ambience mics. Um, there are some ribbon mics that are a bit sturdier and can handle louder sound sources. And they are the ones that people use on guitar cabinets like the Royer 121, which is a common thing to uh, blend like an SM57 with a ribbon mic to, to combine the two tones, body from one, bite from the other, that kind of thing. So what should you get? Now, I am a guy who's bought and sold a lot of microphones and audio equipment. I'll be here all day telling you the kind of stuff that I've had in my possession before. Some of it awesome stuff, but totally not appropriate, like never gets used or I'm recording out of a house or out of a bedroom or something like that. Some things are just too loud. Some things, the room, it picks up too much room sound and you're in a not ideal room. So one excellent microphone is an SM57, which I am talking on right now. And it's little counterpart, the SM58. <sighs> I'm talking on right now. And as you can hear, you know, pretty sweet quality, right? Let's practice. Neil, Neil. Neil, Neil. Neil, Neil. How's the difference? Don't know yet. Have we'll find out. I think the capsules on these are very, very similar. Um, it's It might just be the mic ball that's different and that sort of plays a part in how they act. But, you know, for the most part, you could probably use an SM58 everywhere you use a 57. So, you know, you'll commonly see 58s as vocal mics and 57s as instrument mics. Whatever, mate. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I've seen um, Cog perform with an SM57 as a vocal mic. I think I have as well. Yeah. And um, I think even Barney on one of the Napalm Death albums used an SM57. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, um, they're a great mic. They do sound good. And, you know, we're, we're in a project studio environment for about 100 to 130 or 40 bucks. You're getting a world-class microphone that you'll find in almost any studio in the world and can be put on vocals, guitar, or mic up a bass cab, even a kick drum, uh, any drums, so snare and your toms. Um, we've used it on the album for some percussion. 
just the possibilities are endless. Um, it's not ideal for things like overheads or hi-hats or, or things that have um, a bit more top end, but, you know, all the same, even acoustic guitar, but all the same, you know, some very famous records have had acoustic sounds marked up with 57 and, you know, get off there. Get Who off knows? There, suck me off. No, 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 you're right. I thought it was Gypsy coming in. Do you think these mics would have picked up Sophie walking inside? I think so, but not like, you know, the old days of the podge where you could mm. even just a slight tap on that door would pick up. Yeah, you could hear people down the road. Like, w- would this go on the podge? Possibly. Yeah, we'll, so you might hear we'll that conversation. Can you hear Gypsy not. walking? I can, but I don't think the microphone can. We'll see. When it gets compressed during um, mix and editing. Good experiment. Thanks for that, Sophie. And just in regards to recording podcasts, I'm not sure, like, people listening, whether you picture us to be in some like professional studio or something but you wouldn't believe how like pathetic we look at the moment like me and ash just sitting on one couch with a merch box as a table in between us and a laptop on a dirty old chair right in front of us doing the recording all we've got is just two shitty old mics plugged through um ash's inbox and into the laptop and and that's us eh? that's it Mm. and in you know it sounds pretty much what you're hearing is pretty much what it sounds like straight off the bat the only difference is we use just a touch of compression i don't think we even use eq but if the sounds are a little bit too wild they might get tamed down a bit (laughs) and also the uh stuff which that just went off the chain pretty much what you're hearing now is just the most simple rig we used to actually use like a quite you know two thousand dollar microphone and a couple of sweet preamps and all this kind of stuff but you know i reckon these are some of the best we don't even have pop filters on us at the moment no 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 way i think these are the better podges now because you know we've each got a mic we're right up on it we're holding our microphones by the way yeah pretending to be like the singer from devourment as we're talking there's no trickery going on here it's pretty straight up and our whole setup here is worth bugger all so if you can imagine recording vocals on a setup like this and then just processing it pretty nicely on your free reaper setup with your free plugins you can get a pretty sweet sound fully sick there are other microphones that you might get in the dynamics category which for me would be an audix i5 and that's about 110 to 140 so very similar price range to sm57 or 58 um and yeah can is pretty much interchangeable so anything you do with that you can do with an an i5 and i don't think you'll have dramas some people on the nets on the nets on the internet are a bit snobbish about 57s and they oh uh, don't tell me you use that on a snare drum but guess what mate they've been used for fucking years on everything (laughs) on every famous goddamn album there's probably 57 and if someone challenged me i would record an entire song with just one fifty-seven, consider that a challenge. Okay, all right, I'll do that. Yeah, I don't think anyone will be complaining of the quality. Okay, so other options. The reason why I list them as another option is because they do get a bit pricier. That's why the fifty-seven is such a great investment. The first one, besides the Audix i5, would be the Shaw SM7B. Now we have one of these. Claim of Thrones new vocal mic. Actually, we'll be using on the next album. This is a larger. Stein. This is a larger format dynamic, so it has a bigger capsule. Um, it's the granddaddy of dynamics, used for vocals on everything from Michael Jackson to Cannibal Corpse and Sick Fuck and Winter Sun and Paramore and just fucking anything you can think of. It's awesome. It requires a little bit more gain from your preamp, which means that cheaper interfaces might not be able to handle it. But um, but it is a great mic and can be used for a really beefy snare mic. It's great on bass and kick drum. And yeah, you can basically use it... We did actually use it for percussion on Forged in Flame, but 
we got it at the very late stages of that album. You think Spineshank would have used it? Without a doubt. Really? Well, not without a doubt, but maybe they did. Cold Chamber? Possibly Cold Chamber. It's another... See, the good thing about an SM7B is it's kind of like it's got all the qualities of a 57, but because it's got a larger capsule, it has a little bit more headroom and it rejects sound quite well. So you can yell at it and scream at it high high volumes and then um and it will handle it but it will also reject like floyd walking around on the floor kind of thing <laughs> like you know within reason of course uh, as far as condensers go uh we've got a couple of apexes now they're about 400 450 they're a large diaphragm condenser um they sound pretty nice on their own but their bonus is you can upgrade them and you will get similar response curves to a neumann u47 or 67 or maybe even an akg c12 which are all vintage mics really really expensive um, depending on what sort of a mod kit you get going with it they are great on vocals as overheads or if you just got one a mono overhead acoustic guitar which uh, we used a very similar mic for the acoustics on fortune flames so check that out and yeah, it's a lot more of a bright hi-fi sound than a dynamic mic. Uh, in terms of the small pencil condensers, uh, Rode NT5s are very affordable, 400 to 450 for two. Uh, now, they're cool because you can use them as overheads on your drum kit. Uh, you can use them to stereo mic an acoustic guitar, which is ideal, or even a piano. The thing about that is you wouldn't really want to use them for vocals, but you totally could. Um, but the reason why they're a nice entry-level stereo pair is because if you upgrade in the future to a whole drum mic kit set up, um, you can use these as your main overheads or even just as spot mics for your hi-hat and ride. In terms of ribbon microphones, they're always pretty expensive. There are a number of budget ribbons out there. I would say the best one, which Claim and Throne also have, is called a Cascade Fathead. Uh, they have the Cascade Fathead 2, which is a little more expensive, but to be honest, I think they're the same capsule. It's just the body is slightly different, and they go for about 200 to 250 brand new, which is very affordable. It, it is made to handle higher sound sources. Um, you can upgrade the transformer, which is quite easy to do it's only five little leads you need to solder on um and then it gets you know not quite there but somewhere in the ballpark of you know a royal 121 when you're blending it on a guitar cab um you can use it like they sound beautiful on acoustic guitar used as a room mic use it for some very sultry vocals even as overheads uh in conclusion microphones don't need to be really expensive to sound great um all of the mics mentioned here were well under $500 and most of them were sitting more around the sort of three dollars to $400 mark. I know it's a lot, but consider just buying one to start with, an SM57, and just go from there. Um, and then when you do add microphones after that, just make sure you get something that's either going to complement the mic you've already got or that will perform a task that the mic you've got doesn't do so well. So let's say you've got a 57, you record a lot of acoustic guitar. It might be an idea to actually get condensers instead or um, or maybe, you know, get your 57 so you can do a whole bunch of um, stuff or, or um, mic up a cab or whatever, but then get a condenser for vocals. And basically, it's just whatever you want to make of it. Uh, I know our old mate Owen from Point Breakdown used a Behringer condenser mic. Behringer is a dirty word in audio. Um, they got a pretty bad name for themselves, but he got great results and that thing was less than 100 bucks. And I tracked all the drums on Fortune Flames with microphones that I hired for about $130. So it's just about using what you can to get the best possible sound and uh, not feeling pressured into buying gear that's out of your price range. Just be smart. 
Got some money saved up for a new microphone? Remember to do your research, you dummy. You might find a cheaper alternative that will give you the same or even better results and then you can use that leftover cash for something else useful like a preamp or maybe even a second microphone. Don't be turned off by certain brands just because they get a bad rap on the internet. Use whatever works. Claim the throw on our Bonoda Week. This week, I've been listening to a lot of the latest Skyforger album called Kerbabs, which came out last year on Metal Blade Records, their first album on that label. Kerbabs? Yeah, the album Kerbabs by Skyforger. <laughs> it's probably better than a kebab, depending how hungry you are, I guess. Awesome. I haven't heard it. Pretty awesome album, man, if you're into Skyforger. They're definitely a bit of um, very niche market, I guess, with that style of stuff. Very, very authentic, um, yeah, Latvian folk metal yeah i've been a big fan of them for a long time um and yeah the newer latest album still pretty much just as good if not better than their previous stuff perhaps slightly less folky lots of um thrashy sort of power chord riffs which are pretty cool mixed with crazy ass flutes and stuff too i particularly like it when they do have clean vocals i think it's very funny i think most of them are done by the bass player who does the cleans and he's like a beast has this really deep voice pretty awesome um the singer reminds me of me and is my hero because he's a bit bald at the front, pretty old, long hair at the back. Um, when we're not watching them live is is a treat because he always like yeah just tells the best stories before each song of like the history behind why the song is what it is. His English is enjoyable to listen to, so that's my album of the week, Kerbads by Skyforger. Definitely worth checking out. I will. What do you got for us today? Well, this is my album of the week, and I'm just going. Oh, out and your number one. Yeah, I forgot it's my about number this. one album of it's the year. It's been a big build up to this. It's funny because um, I'll tell you what it is. It's Flesh God Apocalypse. Get out of here! Town. Yeah. Really? Um, fuck, I don't even know the name of the album. Labyrinth is it? Labyrinth. Kebabs. Yeah, it sounds right. I haven't actually heard it. Labyrinth. Mm. Funny because I heard this when it came out, which was about July, and I just oh man, Flesh God's a funny thing. I really liked their album Oracles in 2008. I thought it was pretty cool. It was the, I don't know, maybe the faster version of Hour of Penance, who released an album around the same time with similar members, where well, the drummer and vocalist were the same. Since then, the vocalist jumped onto drums, and he is a certified mad dog. <laughs> but from that point, they started doing all these clean vocals, which I didn't dig too much. I'm not adverse to clean vocals, but it sounded like the guy was just straining way too much. Some was really cool, but as soon as he started getting higher, it just felt like his voice was going to break. And they should get um, the... Skyforger bass player to do their cleans. It, is he really nice at cleans? I love it. He sounds like an actual wolf. Or Sleet would want ICS Vortex. <laughs> um, yeah, that's he's good as well. So, I don't know. I was a bit hesitant to really get into the stuff. Their album Agony was pretty cool. But again, just the vocals turned me off. So, when I was thinking about albums of the week, I was also doing some practice mixes for some Claim and Throne stuff. And I thought, what bands have lots of sort of string sounds as well as heavy music and where it remains really heavy as well? And I thought, of course, you got your Dimmu Borg here. I thought, oh, I'll check out Flesh God. I haven't listened to that in a while. And man, it just, I guess, right place, right time. It just mm. suddenly spoke to me there's a lot of operatic vocals and weird stuff in there some of it i don't know whether it's supposed to be humorous but it fucking makes me laugh it's not that i don't like powerful female singing but that really operatic what's the word vibrato 
that they do. It's just too much. It sounds comical because, you know, Ren and Stimpy and Kenny versus Benny have a lot of that sort of music and it's, you know, associated with comedy to me. But yeah, man, the the riffs are interesting. The drumming is just off the chain. And I, I don't know, I find some of the songs to be just interestingly written. It sounds like they're trying for something a little bit different. And yeah, it's to the point that it actually got me listening to Agony again and really enjoying that now. So yeah, oh, it's, it feels cool. It's like a, feels like a new band to me again. So you'll be excited to seeing him next year when they come to Australia with Septic Flesh. That'll be That'll be sweet. Good, good tour. Anyway, cool man. I'm glad to hear you've got back into them. I'll have to check it out too. I've never been a massive fan. I don't really yeah. know why. It's just sort of music that it hasn't but really Even Agony I wasn't the biggest fan of. Yeah. I had the shirt because Jim bought it as a present. Oh, right. <laughs> See people in shirts, you just assume they love it. Climbing the throne, listener question of the week. Hey, fellas, it's Jason here. Um, really enjoying all the advice and everything you've been given, so thanks. Um, I'm only 15 and I'm in a band. Um, can you just give me some advice on, on or some tips maybe on how to book a gig if, if I'm underage? Um, it's just getting a bit hard because like, these pubs won't book us. We have to find our own venues. Um, so yeah, what did you guys do when you were younger and, and what can I do? Thanks, fellas. Bye. Fuck yeah, Jason, you little mad dog. Doing it young, that's the way to do it. Uh, were you in a band before you were 18, Ash? Yes. Well, yeah, me too. One band called the Kombucha Mushroom People. What was your band? Leaky Family. <laughs> Do you guys play the gidges? <laughs> uh, no, nah, nothing outside of school-related gidges. Yeah, cool. And that's probably one of the good ways to do it, playing at your school. Yeah, it gives you good practice. Basically, yeah, I think if you're underage, don't um, don't stress that you're not playing gigs or whatever. Just build up to it as best you can. And then by the time you turn 18 and you can start, um, or perhaps 21, depending where you are in the world. But yeah, when you're ready to hit the pub scene, you'll be raring to go and, and smash it out. But yeah, depending where you are as well, there's obviously, um, yeah, some cities have more all-age options than others. We're in Perth, which is very difficult at the moment very limited i only can think of one venue that even do all age gigs at all um, which is a skate park i mean you've got to sort of book that out and can be pretty expensive so you really need to know what you're doing and everything in that regards as well if you're really really keen and wanted you can probably hire out a small little venue somewhere and i know there were places like do you remember castle rock and stuff like that that used to yeah, do yeah. all ages and they'd actually get a few touring bands to go down there and stuff could do that and just get onto a bill like that and just approach the people who run or promote for that particular all ages venue but if not probably find an adult or maybe even your music teacher or someone who's keen to help you out a guitar teacher something like that try and put on a gig somewhere or join a battle of the bands Oh, God, I haven't heard of one of them for Good ages, idea. but that's, yeah, that's the only place that I sort of knew. We did a battle of the bands once and got all our friends to steal all the pens in the venue so no one could vote for any other bands apart from us. And nice we, work. We did well. Did you win? <laughs> we won all our heats and got through to the grand final, I think, and then they were a bit more... Um, defensive of the pens yeah fair enough so basically there are options out there you just got to sort of ask around people in your local area and find out the best way to doing it but i think um most importantly before you you know if you're too young to get onto the pub scene work really hard on, on recording and writing great songs so that when you do get to that age you've got a great product already there if you've got a, an album ready to go um then yeah you're in the best possible position you can be and if you can build a, a bit of a reputation for your band um, before you start kicking as well then all the best to you i reckon you'll do well but thanks for the question jason and you're um, well on your way by listening to us already. So definitely a good cunt.
Can I call a 15-year-old a cunt? You just did. A good one, though. Not some shit cunt. Got some questions online, too, today. Oh, okay. You, Bust keen. them out. Yeah. Do you have something else to say, Jason? I was just looking at that funnel. Do you reckon we should do a funnel while we're playing tonight? Yeah, probably. We should do a funnel during a podcast once. Next week, maybe. If we're here next week. Anyway, we'll get to that. Question from our mate Al Smith from Bergerk. Yes. Bergerk Studios. My favourite. Need some mixing or mastering done. Go to Al Smith at Bergerk Recordings. Um, he's asked us, will your next album feature any songs about footy or cricket? Interesting. I guess the short answer would be no, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that we won't be inspired by said sports. There will probably be some cricket happening in the in the studio next time we record. What, Ash? I would say to that, Al, there would definitely be some cricket happening. I think Mystical Hermit. Did mm-hmm. that have some cricket noises on it? It did have cricket Maybe. sounds, yeah. There would definitely be some cricket and... How about next time, instead of using samples by insects, crickets, we use... Uh, Ricky Ponting. Yeah, cricket balls bouncing in the background. So, there you have it, Al. Thanks for the question. You're just so funny, mate. <laughs> Hope you liked the answer. Wasn't very good. This next one appears to be possibly the first serious question we've ever got. I'm not sure if we're going to have an answer to this, but it is interesting. It's from Peter Ferguson. Cheers for the question, bro. Um, he wants some tips on what wireless systems for guitars and bass are good. Oh, dear um, He plays red pipes, electric bagpipes that use a jack-like guitars, 6.3 millimeters, and wants to avoid playing jump rope at future gigs. Is this a serious question? I don't know, man. But God. if he's playing bagpipes, what a legend. Um, and wireless as well. It's interesting because I've never used a wireless, but I've actually been looking into them this week because I wanted to get one before we go on tour because I'm just getting really annoyed by leads and everything. And if it was just all set up and good to go, that would just be sweet. What did you find? Not a lot, man. I really don't know what I'm looking for. Um, I started on eBay, I guess, and there's some on there at the moment which are pretty cheap and seem to have really good reviews, which are just AKG ones. And they're only like 130 bucks or something. And from the reviews, I've seen pretty good, like basic, but all you need. But I think I only have one frequency or something so you can't have two people in the band with the same wireless mm, yeah yeah um, I know Jim has used wirelesses before with his bass and he's just bought some new ones so maybe we'll ask him for some tips and I'll definitely do more research this week because I, I want to know myself as well and maybe we'll get back on that next week cool do you know anything about wirelesses at all well I do know the bagpipes are really loud so I don't see why you need to mic them up so maybe he's trolling <laughs> but at the same time no I don't know anything about wirelesses except that um sure are the only ones I've ever really seen before I didn't even know well it's obvious but I didn't even know AKG made them so would he be amping up his bagpipe? That's what I mean. It seems a bit crazy. But if he's recording them or something, yeah. or playing them live, who knows, man? That's a crazy question. Interesting. Can't quite tell if it's serious or not. Peter, you should record yourself playing bagpipes on our um, on the recorder question part of ClaimTheThrone.net, and we'll, um, we'll play it on the show. And if it's not a serious question, I'm <laughs> impressed, because yeah. that is a funny thing to say. I totally believed it if you were trolling, so, yeah. Hook, line, and cume. <laughs> Kim Line and Sinker. And that is us for another episode of the Blodge uh, cast podcast <laughs> slash blog blog in a pod and um, that was episode 10 I can't believe we've actually got to double digits can't um, believe I get to edit this sucker on my Sunday tomorrow can't believe <laughs> I get to not do anything and just leave it all to you <laughs> no you have Can to write great. a blodge mate oh yeah I do so are we going to be back next week or when are we going to start having um, time off because next week is Christmas and stuff and it's getting pretty crazy yeah but um, yeah, I think point. Ash and I should still be meeting up to plan out our well, activities for we'll next year a, maybe we'll have a Christmas episode Next week, Christmas, even episode. if it's a shorter format, yeah, just to wrap up, maybe a discussion <laughs> over some sailor juries, mm-hmm. or maybe have a live meeting about it. Sounds like a plan, and then we'll um, yeah, 
then we'll probably have a couple of weeks off after that. But you'll know what we'll be working on because you would have heard us have a meeting about it. There you and, go. Um, Good idea. Yeah, lots of ideas for next year, which will um, hopefully make this podcast a whole lot better than it is at the moment. But thanks a lot for tuning in again. Really appreciate having you guys here. And as always, if you've got anything you want to chat to us about or want to hear us talking about, got any questions, want to plug your own band, any news or gidges that you have coming up that you'd think you'd like us to say on the show, just get in touch. You can email us at info at claimthethrone.com. You can find us on all sorts of social media or, of course, the Blodgecast site at claimthethrone.net or you can find out all things about our band at claimthethrone.com. <sighs> Am I allowed to add something? Do what you want. Our mate Al Smith from Begurk, who asked us that question before, he was involved in part of the reason we started doing this Bluegecast to begin with. The idea was that we track our whole album ourselves and then send it to him to get mixed and mastered, and he did a great job. We were really happy, and uh, in the meantime, he stopped doing tracking himself and just moved into mixing and mastering. If you're getting any tips from this podcast and you're looking for someone to mix your album go check out Begurk Studios B-E-R-G-E-R-K Studios online he's on Facebook he's on Tumblr he's on all the stuff give it a whirl he's got very reasonable rates and he's very good at what he does so. he's on the ball and speaking of cricket do we need to talk about any cricket it's pretty hot and they're playing in Perth like 40 degrees yeah, out there. No shit. I put uh, $5 on England to win the last test Did you? and lost. Yeah. Oh, do you think, um, do you like Mitchell Johnson's moustache or do you think he's a faggot? I do not like Mitchell Johnson full stop. Really? Yeah, I think he's a slinger, mate. Mm. <laughs> cool, man. Mitch, if you're listening, sorry, bro. Ash um, doesn't like your bowling. I think he made no runs today, but yesterday he batted pretty well. 30-something. Oh, okay. So, there you go. Good one, Mitcho. Thanks for listening. Oh, we need a song to play. Oh, okay. Um, We're running out of songs. On the topic of news and gidges... Seeing as we're News and Gidge, second sedge. Ash and I and Jesse tonight are playing an acoustic gig at Jesse's dad's 50th birthday party. So that's what we're going to do now. Um, I've got heaps of gay acoustic songs to learn that Jesse's picked out that I don't even know how they go. Does anyone want to know about that? We're going to play a Dusty inspired song called Glory Feast. Thank you, we've been Claim Thorn. Bye. (laughs) 